You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis. Shout out to Simple Flips. Sam Claiborne. Hey, hey. And Jonathan Dornbush. Charmed, I'm sure. And we have a great show for you this week. We are going to talk about in-game loot boxes. Hot topic of the moment right now. Mm. Uh, Let's see. We're also going to talk about the Nintendo Switch. But first, what are the most anticipated games of the holidays? Ooh, boy. That's our big question this week. And it is a question that Nielsen attempted to uh, answer uh, recently with a, a new survey. Oh, cool. Nielsen. Hey, Nielsen. Yeah. Nielsen is the... Nielsen from Big Game Scoop fan. Yeah. And Nielsen, <laughs> if you're out there listening, hello. Big uh, media research company, uh, primarily known for uh, TV ratings. Yes. Yeah. Delivering all TV ratings. And I think, uh, Justin, you said you were a Nielsen household. Yeah, once a mirror. So cool. Out. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, actually had the set-top box that you put in No, we, uh, we journal. Oh, yeah, you actually had to like report yeah. what you're watching yeah. for how long. Uh, they also do some uh, video game reporting, and uh, they have a new survey where they surveyed 6,000 gamers Okay. by their definition, and they don't explain That's what... That's a big sample size. What, yes. But they don't explain what they count as a gamer. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But they say they surveyed 6,000 gamers. You need a shirt that says real gamer on it. Yeah. That was their mm-hmm. only... Hashtag real gamer. No, I need a shirt that says in your face. <laughs> uh, does it, can anyone guess what was found to be the most anticipated holiday game? And when was this done? This year. Uh, that survey was done in September. But a holiday game. Yeah. Call of Duty? 
It is Call of Duty yeah. World War II. Yeah. Probably what I would have guessed. Number yeah. one. Number two was Assassin's Creed Origins. Wow. And number three, Battlefront Two. Go Assassin's yeah. Creed. That's cool. I know. I'm surprised that Assassin's Creed came out ahead of Bat- Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. The, no. the only thing I'm not shocked about is Ubisoft at like an earnings call earlier this year said they had a record year last year and that was without Assassin's Creed. Mm. So that's just how yeah. big that franchise is for them. Man. It is it will just add that much more for them. It's massive. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh the most anticipated Xbox One game was Forza Seven. And on PS4, it was Gran Turismo Sport. Well, wait a second. Both both Call of Duty is on the. On I those think they're looking at exclusive. Exclusive. Ah. Yeah. So if you would have told me that the most anticipated Xbox game is a racing game, I would have been like, that's basically all that's coming out for Xbox exclusively. Yeah. But that's really weird that it's a racing game for yeah. PS4 also. Yeah. I, well, what else is coming yeah, out exclusively have, on PS4? They got the that's a good point. Falls. They have those head-to-head racing games this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And on Switch, of course, is Mario. Uh, 3DS is Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon. But oh. followed right behind it was Mario and Luigi Super, Superstar Saga, which is already out now or coming out. So wait, no wait, one wait, knows. Wait, wait. What? Wait, wait. Say, say that again. <laughs> Mario Pokemon? Luigi Superstar Saga, the remake that just came out for 3DS? Yeah. It's right behind Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon. There must be nothing else. Anticipation. There's nothing else. That's well, it. for 3DS. What about the... Pa- that's, that's out now. When is, Jonathan, when does the Mario yeah. Party 100 minigame oh, thing come out? I, I want to say November. Mm. Maybe. I was that the... Th- I think that was like the... Third I mean, they pushed a lot of say November, or are games. you saying November? I want to say... <laughs> I, I think it's November. I forget okay. the release. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So again, we, we don't know exactly what uh, Nielsen was considering gamers, what qualifications they use. But I also looked at IGN traffic. I I looked at IGN traffic since E3. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I thought that'd be a pretty good gauge. Yeah. Did, what, you, did you include game? E3 or did you start the window like immediately following E3? I include the week of E3. Got it. Uh, so I thought that would give us a yeah. sense of what the biggest upcoming games are on IGN. And yeah. you looked at the object traffic? I mean, to use an inside yes. IGN term? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Then then the most popular object was obviously Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, well, I was going to well, say. No, I'm looking <laughs> GTA 5. At, but I yeah. cut out all the older games. I only yeah, looked GTA 5. Upcoming games. Yeah, you're right. And the joke yeah. there is that our strategy guides remain very popular for those games. Yeah. The GTA 5 Cheats and Secrets wiki page is got to be, it's probably the second most visited page in IGN history after IGN.com, I would guess. Um, yeah. Everybody you, on earth has seen it at least once. Yeah. Uh, yep, it's a true fact. The <laughs> only way for that page to get more unique viewers is for more children to be born. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, that's how more copies of GTA Five get sold. Yeah, that's yeah. doesn't that just tell you the thing we talk about in here sometimes, like how important it would be to put cheats in your game? Just put cheats in your game. just put cheats in your game. So when you look at the most popular games, <laughs> okay, on IGN <laughs> by traffic, you actually have to dig pretty deep to get to an upcoming game. Mm. To get okay. past all the existing games, mm-hmm. because of guides. Uh, yeah, because of guides and reviews, those are the two biggest traffic hits that a game will get. So yeah. when you actually dig pretty deep, Star Wars Battlefront Two okay. would be the most popular upcoming game. All right. All right. But number two may surprise you. Oh, Ooh. I'm gonna number think. two by traffic upcoming game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it Horizon? No, it wouldn't be that. The DLC? No. Um, I'm just trying to think. What do we write about a lot? Is it a game we've mentioned already? I bet it's another. Not Nintendo. today. Okay. I bet it's another Nintendo game. It is not another Nintendo. Snipper game. Clips Deluxe. I'm gonna say, <laughs> is that a thing? Yes, and I can't wait. What? Yeah, yeah they're doing. Oh DLC. yeah, that's the real thing. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, it's not. That something game. that's not out yet. I think it's probably. Well, like a, I think it's that's probably like, like a hardcore. That's why it's a little bit of a cheat. It's PUBG. Oh, it's uh, not okay, officially out yet, but it is already getting a lot of traffic and interest because it's in early access. Yeah, but yeah, it's coming on to you know the official release is supposed to come late this year mm-hmm. on Xbox One X. Yeah, that's when cool. was Snipperclips Deluxe announced? At their last, the big Nintendo Direct. I completely yeah. missed it. It was one of those thousands of announcements. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, 
Uh, and then it would be Assassin's Creed Origins. Yes, so yeah. on IGN, at least, Call of Duty isn't in the top three. Yeah, Assassin's was huge. I remember when we yeah. were showing the traffic during E3, it was always like one or two yeah. for yep. a few Yeah, we also days. did a big IGN first. Like, we did a whole month of coverage. Yes, yeah. I think the break really helped them. And uh, just today, we put up a preview uh, of Marty, who played the game. Yeah. So it has these like kind of newly added uh, modes and, and elements that are like, really yeah. addictive. Yeah. When you play. I played an hour or two at E3. I cannot wait. I love well, that. It's like we're we're deep in October now. Yeah. Which, I don't know why I said that with such surprise. Like each day follows last. <laughs> it's a surprise to me. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like we're that far. Like we're like halfway from through. Well, October 27th is the day. That's the day. And that's, and that's, that's like two weeks away. The craziest yeah. day, yeah. Uh, and then they also just announced uh, this week for Assassin's Creed Origins all the like extra game content that's coming after release. Some of it's paid with the season pass, and it seems like they're going to be doing a lot of supernatural, like there's uh, like undead pharaohs, mythical well. elements yeah. to it. Mm. They said you're going to be battling Egyptian gods, cool yeah. And, mummies, uh, yeah, and monster zombie Egyptian mummies, mum, uh, I, or mummies, or are uh, <laughs> griffins <laughs> part of Egyptian lore? I don't even know. Well, sphinxes, that's the sphinxes, yeah. That's uh, like a line with a. People face. So Griffin is like, a, I think, an eagle and a lion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's one What's one that's the lion that has like... Witch in the wardrobe? S- like snake parts of it also? That, I think that could be a, a, a uh, griffin as well. Mm. It has like a, a, like a tail with like a point or something. Is that what you mean? Anyway. Uh, but then there's also the free stuff like the discovery mode, which we talked about... Uh, recently, with it's supposed to be an educational sort of exploration mode, but then there's also a free horde mode that's going to be coming Ooh, a yeah. little bit after launch too. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool too. Are they going to do a free hundred player battle royale mode? Yeah, update? probably. Also, that was yeah. also announced. They are doing like free daily and weekly challenges and things like that too. So I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Cool. But what are our personal most anticipated games of the holidays? Mm. Mario. Mario for me. It's got to be Mario. Yeah. yeah. Mario and Assassins. I. I mean, as someone who loves that franchise, and like, uh, and so South excited. Park for me. South Park, yeah, game. like that's another Which one that really snuck up on me. That game is next ne- week, next week or the yeah, week the seventeenth, yeah. I think. Very soon, like the original was so good, and it was one of those sequels that we never expected to get. Yeah, and now it's here. Like you know, well, I guess the reason it surprised me, the game was delayed out of uh, March or whatever to the fall. In the back of my head, I always assumed it was going to be delayed again, just because yeah. the first one took. Year, you know, years longer than they expected and was such a torturous process. But the sequel to the to Ubisoft's credit, you know, that one big six month delay and now here it is. I was also excited for Shadow of War playing that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm still playing that and really enjoying that a lot. We'll talk about that next year. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty good segue. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Caleb rusted. Uh, uh, I was hoping it was from Nielsen. In Knoxville, <laughs> Tennessee. He says, I'm a weekly listener, but a bit of a latecomer. By the time I started listening regularly, about a year ago, Big Tony style had already been established Ooh. as a running joke or local celebrity. Yeah. I've heard his name mentioned several times with some excitement <laughs> without understanding the reference. Just wondering if you could fill me in on this. Well, Caleb, sure we can, because our next email comes from <laughs> Big Tony Big style. Big Tony style. <laughs> he says, so recently, games like Shadow of War, Destiny, and Battlefront have come under a bit of fire in regards to their microtransactions related to random loot boxes. On the flip side, Activision reported $3.6 billion from in-game content revenue, so in all likelihood, in-game purchases aren't going anywhere. I'm curious on where the Omega Cops stand on the current state of in-game transactions. What games do you think get get microtransactions right in your mind? So, uh, Big Tony style. So, Caleb, Big Tony style, uh, big IGN fan. Very nice, lovely man. Very nice guy. Big, a super fan of ours who's... 
And uh, nice. there's no, you don't need to overthink it or dig deeper nope. than that. Just a, just a good guy yep. writes in, asks very thoughtful questions, as yep. we encourage all GameScoop listeners to. That's true. So, what, what was the actual? Was loot boxes? Loot boxes. In-game yes. loot boxes, yeah. microtransactions. Right. It's a hot topic right now. So, yeah. Shadow of War has them, and there was some controversy. Yeah, uh, I've a lot of Battlefront too. recently with uh, Battlefront yeah. Two. Also has them. I mean, uh, Overwatch for Destiny Two Destiny. is another thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if we if we if we go down the list here, I've been playing a lot of Shadow of War. I really like the game. Mm-hmm. I'm many many hours into it. I'm like eleven level eleven or, or twelve. Uh, thus far, I haven't like two hundred three hundred dollars on those. <laughs> yeah. No, thus far I haven't even I haven't touched the loot boxes. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been a part of my experience yet. And Dan Stapleton, who reviewed the game for us, said. He says you can play through the whole game and not touch the loot box. The whole controversy is overblown. Yeah. Um, some people, some fellow critics and just people that had really access to the game stated things that were wrong about the yeah. loot boxes and said that you could only access things in loot boxes and then had to go back and say, apologize and say, you know, we're sorry, we got some details wrong. Um, and a lot of the people complaining or worrying about the game hadn't yet played it. I, I genuinely in my heart of hearts believe that once this game is in the hands of millions of people as it is now by the time yeah. this episode goes up that uh, it, it, it's it's a controversy over nothing. Yeah, um, that's true. The loot boxes, you can play through that whole game and completely ignore that whole system and it's not, it's irrelevant. And there's no multiplayer or anything like that to make it unbalanced. You know, mm-hmm. there is. I mean, you can raid other people's places, but it, they're not there, and you're not going to be like going up with them. Yeah, know. the temptation is that they retune the single player. Like the temptation for the the, the suits <laughs> at uh, WB has to be, well, if you, they just tune the game slightly differently, they'll see increased revenue because yeah. people will feel compelled to spend five or ten dollars on the loot boxes. Um, yeah. And I completely understand that paranoia. Except in this instance, every indication is that that's not the case. Yeah, that that didn't happen. Uh, it doesn't justify every loot loot situation. No, no, no. no yeah, and I, and that, any means. And Shadow of War is a little bit different case because it's a single player game. Yes. Uh, but before we move on, I do want to share an anecdote about Shadow of War. I really like this game. Are you still? <laughs> you were a little bit more lukewarm on it. No, no, it, I didn't. The, it, well, the intro has a yeah. lot of silly stuff. Yeah. But, but now, now you're way now you're, past that. Yeah, it's oh, really I, I'm so addicted. It's so good. I remain in love with the Nemesis system. Mm-hmm. And so I was playing it the other day, and I was going after uh, one of the, the orc captains. And I try to be as stealthy as I can yeah. you know, until all hell breaks loose. So I'm like hunting him down. I'm on a rooftop, and I'm like planning out my route, what I'm going to do. And I'm being really like quiet and patient. And then like all of a sudden, I just hear, there you are, Ranger! And then there's, there's just like another captain who like snuck up behind me and was attacking me now. I don't know why. Like, why are you on this roof? Yeah. <laughs> he was hunting you. Yeah, the hunter dude. had become oh, yeah, the hunted. Like, and then I had to deal with him. It's so cool. So That system is great. I'll tell a quick anecdote as well if we have the time. I had an orc. <laughs> I had an orc uh, who's, who uh, I shamed, but then he didn't accept the shaming. That's like a thing that happens in the game. Yeah. And that drove him crazy. That's that's my management style at IGN. <laughs> I don't accept the yeah. shaming. So, Chloe so never accepts he, the shaming. Uh, so he, he, when he was crazy, he didn't talk anymore. So whenever yeah. you know the taunts come out like you're yeah. doing, instead of doing it, he just comes out and goes, <laughs> He just giggles. So he also got knocked up to level 40, and I'm level... 17 or whatever then yeah. now i'm higher than that and so he would he could kill me in like one hit with spears yeah. so he kept on showing up and he would ambush <laughs> me all like more than other orcs i'd hear this laugh <laughs> and then i'd die yeah and then i went to a different map and they don't there has to be a special thing that would happen for an orc to follow you to another region yeah mm-hmm. dude followed me oh no <laughs> and so i'll be in like a castle i'll hear his cackling oh, oh he's just dedicating I'll, I'll, he I'll give up you. on this mission he's dedicating his life yeah. to just just griefing your game yeah 
Oh man, uh, yeah, I haven't started Shadow. He's War, my nemesis. Yeah, I'm really it's looking forward to. So impressive how many different types of orcs there are and different personalities and voices and, mm-hmm. and all that. It's really cool. hundreds of them. Uh, but Shadow of War, in terms of loot boxes, is a different case because it's a single player game. Yeah. Uh, other games like Destiny 2, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, 2, it's been more problematic because the reality is, at least, you know, Destiny 2 is out. We know this. You can spend real world money to get a gameplay advantage. And it seems to be that, like, that's going to be the case in Battlefront 2 as well, which is even more of a PvP game than Destiny 2 is. Yeah. And it's random. So it's yes. like, yeah. you're like, I want to spend my money to be the best sniper or something like that. You you can't even you can't do that which for well, for better or worse you can spend money and hope yeah you can hope so it's like it's and really the more money you good. spend the better your chances oh, and are and then you wonder does cards. it get into gambling territory and it's actually something I'm looking into right now we're trying yeah. to do a report on it and I was speaking to some lawyers about it and why does or it doesn't cross over into gambling territory and essentially it's because you put in money and you're getting real world zero benefit out of it. Like you are not putting in money and getting something that you can mm-hmm. take yourself. You are essentially licensing these items in that game mm-hmm. via that money. And so because you're not getting anything real out of it, nor can you turn that into money that you get yourself, there it doesn't cross into gambling territory because of that essentially. What about like Hearthstone packs? Well, it's exactly well, right. Yeah. You know, this is we think about it in the context of loot boxes, but it's been the case in digital card games for many years, which yeah. it feels well, that's, like there's a precedent there for 20 years of Magic the Gathering. That's even how so just, physical card games work. Yeah, yeah. Like culturally, like people just accept that this, this is just how digital yeah. card games are, and there are exceptions. There's some that are you know not randomized packs, etc. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, it, it bleeding over into these other genres or style of games is a relatively new development, really brought on, I think, by the overwhelming success. Of, uh, of Overwatch yeah. and uh, and mobile games before that, you know, with gotcha systems. And is Hearthstone free? Yeah, well, it's free. Play. Like, yeah, that's uh, a Clash big deal Royale. Too. When like, people pay, so you can pay to get more right. cards. Yeah. yeah, you know, and the more cards you have, uh, the more options you have for building decks. Yeah, I think I think yeah. it's interesting. You know, you say, oh, it's a single player game, so uh, that feels a little bit more harmless. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't think so. Like, uh, accurate. But to me, cosmetic upgrades only really have value in a multiplayer context. Like, so if you can't can show off your super rare blue hat to other players, what's the point of spending money to unlock the super rare blue hat? Like, I've never... I've, I'm really shocked and surprised that I would have never predicted that single-player games would have a market for cosmetic items um, because I thought the whole social element is what gave those virtual goods value. I think there is also, though, an extent to anything you play can be social now. Uh, and especially when you can fine-tune a game to be whatever you want it to be, I can fine-tune my character in Shadow of War however I want, and I can share that instantly from my PS4 or my sure. Xbox yeah, you can to share online. So if, I, if I'm really proud of something I have, I can instantly mm. put that out there. So there, in terms of cosmetics for single-player, I can see that there. I wonder yeah. if it would make it better if, you know, so, like, I don't know how much it costs, but if it costs, you know, a dollar to spin the wheel and get three items in um, Star Wars... What if, like, every time you paid full price for the game, you got 60 spins because it's $60 worth yeah. of those spins? And then it puts everybody at, like, some randomized level. Yeah, except the option will still be there for other expand. people to spin more yeah. and potentially yeah. get an advantage over you because they've paid for it. Yeah, And there are, and like, gold editions right of games that do have, like, hey, you yeah. get 10 extra loot yeah. boxes or things like that. Yeah, yeah. they okay. usually include that in, like, collectors. That's, like, an easy yeah, thing. XP, XP boosts, yeah. things yeah. like that. You know, uh, Japan is actually a little bit more advanced than America in regards to... Uh, Everything. Reg- <laughs> just in general. <laughs> yeah. uh, regulation of loot boxes in particular, just because, you know, Japanese mobile games, these gacha games have that... You know, that's been the thing for a long yeah. time. You know, these random characters um, in, in mobile games and... Uh, 
the law that they passed was they're required to publicize what like the drop rate, like you have a 1% chance, one in a hundred chance of getting this character, one in 20 chance or whatever it is. And they have to be public about the odds are in a very visible way. And there's like rules and requirements yeah, around. Fire Emblem Heroes does that. Yeah. And that's because th you'll find in, uh, I don't know if Overwatch does do it, but games that are global that are available all over the world, you know, it's like kind of more work to take out those odds. So yeah. you'll find that certain games that are popular in Japan that get localized to America leave, yeah, you know, leave those odds in. And I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that happen in America. There was a big controversy. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of the game. Um, but they said, hey, this crazy, rare, desirable character has like a mm -hmm. 5x drop rate. And someone spent like a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, and didn't get the character. And it turned out they, the drop rate wasn't what they said it was. Like they oh, lied oh, about oh, it. Oh, man. Either, and, and, you know, and then it started like this controversy did they do it on purpose or was it an accident? Hmm. And that's when the, you know, regulatory bodies stepped in and said, no, you have to publicize what your drop rates are. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. And then it becomes who regulates it? Is it the gaming industry itself? Do lawmakers have to step in? Mm -hmm. Because I understand people's fears, as you were saying before, if one person in a backroom executive wants to just fine-tune it just enough so that it increases mm -hmm. their revenue, they could mm -hmm. um, if they're not being regulated. Yeah. Uh, but obviously also the developers themselves, I don't see them as doing this for nefarious reasons. It's also they need to support themselves after the game comes out, after sinking years of their life into a game. Yeah, I mean, it's that the eternal aspect, struggle yeah. where you spend it, you you pay $60 for a game and that game costs $60 where you play it for five hours or 500 hours. Um and the, they're struggling. It's a mad scramble to find ways to monetize yeah. like the other 490 hours that someone plays with a game. And that's what like Shadow of War's endgame is this really weird sort of it's a single player game, but this asynchronous like tower invasions and you're invading other people's games and they're invading yours. And this is cool endgame mode. And these loot boxes are their way to try to like people to get heavy into that, like, yeah. try to monetize that that play experience a little bit. The price of games hasn't risen in over 10 years. What, 20 years? Right? I mean, what? It's been $60 for a long, long time, yeah. but the cost of making games has risen mm -hmm. quite a bit, I think. So, yeah, they're trying to figure out how to offset some of those costs and make. Plus, like when you see the price of mobile games, it makes you think that, like, I, I would advocate for the price of games to be lower. I think they'd sell better if they had lower prices and it might even out that way, but it's definitely not going to make people more money. But, like, there's not enough people that can afford. $60 games out there. Like, that's really expensive stuff. Yeah. It's, I, don't, I don't have a problem with the concept of loot boxes. What seems to be, what seems to me to be the problem is allowing people, people to pay extra. Like, if you just keep it as an in-game thing, you earn, you get loot boxes, uh, you have to earn them. Everyone just has to earn them, you know? Yeah. If some people, if you're given the option to pay to give an advantage over other players, that seems to be where they cross the line. Well, and then the worry is, is the consumer being protected in that transaction then too? Like, are they, is the system fine-tuned enough to make sure that the... It's actually fair. Yeah, that the consumer's not being gypped yeah. out of their money because they decide to adjust the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about Borderlands? Weren't Borderlands uh, loot boxes randomized? Well, there is no in-app, there is no in-game. That's why I game. thought of it as, a, as yeah. an example of a game that handled this well. Like has, the game has loot yeah. boxes, yeah. but you don't. You everyone. If Every weapon two came out today. Yeah, the marketing. You, I fully you know, expect Borderlands the, Three. Yeah, the spin would be the game's not tuned around it at all. The game is tuned around you just unlocking these through play. But if you want to, you have the option of buying more, and then it's left yeah. to the player to decide whether they believe that or not. I mean, I, yeah, it, it comes down to no one. No one wants to be thinking about money when they play a video game. 
So it kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether they're telling the truth or not. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether Shadow of War, um, you know, is completely fair. I mean, I came to its defense at the start of this conversation um, and said, "Look, this whole thing's overblown. You can you can play the whole game without ever thinking about the loot boxes, but it's still there in the back of your head. It's true. You know, it, it, it's it's you, once that seed is planted, you can't you can't put the genie back in the bottle to mix my <laughs> to mix my metaphors. Yeah, there's a like a philosophical problem I have with. Uh, microtransactions in general, and that's that there's a philosophy about preying on whales mm-hmm. for them. And it's like, it's not a secret. Yeah, there no, that's people, the whole business model. There are, there are people that can't presumably stop themselves by buying every item in a game. Yeah. Or, or they have, it brings them pleasure. But yeah. I know gambling addiction. Or they have lots of... And what that's yeah. like. Yeah. And like, there's similar elements to slots and stuff like that in some of these microtransaction setups. And I'm not saying that for Mordor. I'm saying it for, especially on the mobile side, that'll mm-hmm. even show like a very gambling like display. And I mean, th- there's there are people out there that can have addiction problems. Yeah. And no, they know. They, these can prey on those people. And that's really scary. Like, you know, Battlefront and, and Mordor and mobile games like Clash Royale, they don't, there are people that will spend, you know, five extra dollars and then say, you know, great, that was fun. But that's not where they're making their extra money. Their extra money is coming from the 0.1% of people that give them $3,000. Yeah, you come from mobile reporting where that was a big deal when when that was kind of going around and being discovered. It's like 1% to 3% 3 of people will spend any money on on a mobile, you know, on a free to play mobile game. And then they, you know, they get enough money from that 1% that spends hundreds and hundreds of dollars that they don't care. You know, for the other ninety nine percent that aren't paying customers, yeah. and we all understand personal responsibility and what that means. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, there's gambling addiction Absolutely. out there. It's a real thing, yeah. and it's like to you know to kind of exploit that is is troubling to me. I agree. Well, obviously, uh, loot boxes and microtransactions are a hot topic in video games this holiday season. We'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah. If all these games sell millions of copies, then uh, I would expect to see. I mean, thankfully, we solved it. Well, sure, we yeah. we figured it all out. So never fear. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> Anytime. I feel like it is. And that's another <laughs> case closed for the Omega Cops. <laughs> that was the last we heard of loot boxes. Good <laughs> stamp. <laughs> uh, all right. This is Javier Bonet Ruiz from Ooh. Florida. Wow. It says on Amazon, people can buy and pre-order games for less than $60. What? Which is the cost of a AAA game. I understand that people like saving money and paying less for games when the opportunity strikes. However, I think that not paying $60 for a game is actually hurting these companies. $60 is how we reward developers for making great games. Video games are only taking longer and becoming more expensive to make. Therefore, I think we should all be paying $60. Is it possible that DLC and microtransactions are the standard in games today because companies are not making their expected profit? I would love to know your thoughts. I don't even know if it's expected profit. It's just to make sure they make profit. Well, the game developers and publishers don't make $60 off each copy sold. They're selling their copies to Target or Amazon. The publishers sell their games to the retailer. So like their profit ostensibly has already been made or their revenue has already been made. They may, there may be a deal in place with the retailer that any unsold copies have to be like uh, yeah, that and then the retailer bought marks, back, marks or, it up, yeah, or something like how, that. That's how the store stays in business. But in the case of Amazon's Prime, a deal for Prime members where uh, Prime members get twenty percent off new games. I the way I understand it is that's Amazon just taking less. Uh, 
less money because yeah. they've they've ran the numbers and they figure it's it's uh they're trying to they want people signing up for prime yeah you know? well yeah. and they also just want you to be shopping at amazon rather than going to another retailer or from just digitally downloading the con the game straight to your console so i don't yeah. i actually don't know jonathan maybe you know or you know if any game scoop listeners work in the retail industry i don't know what gross like i don't know what activision is selling call of duty world war ii to target and amazon for but i suspect it's very close to you know, the $48 that Amazon is charging for these games. I think they're willing, I think Amazon is pretty willing to come very close to the break even point. Yeah. We don't make or lose any money off each new game sold, but you have to be a Prime member so we get $100 a year from you. Mm -hmm. And they know that, you know, however, whatever many percentage of Prime members also sign up for Amazon Music and Amazon Cloud Storage and yada yada. And that's that's the business that they're in. Like, well, you know, every store has loss leaders. While you're on Amazon and you're buying a game, why not also buy some food that you need and a toy for someone's exactly. birthday yeah. coming yeah. up? That's that Amazon. That's the whole Amazon engine yeah. is, you know, they, they've built this whole multi-billion dollar industry that's taken down traditional retail through its recommendation engine of when you're there looking at one thing, it's going to show you five other things. And so, you know, someone that's listening to GameScoop that's a hardcore gamer is maybe savvy enough to plunk down 48 bucks for Mario Odyssey. That's it. That's the only thing they buy. They're out. But a lot of people, you know, they end up buying 70 or $80 worth of stuff because they're adding on, mm -hmm. you know, either a toothbrush or a switch case or whatever mm -hmm. else other stuff that Amazon recommends you yeah. that they do, you know, earn profit on. And the on. site is so built around, here's a sale going on over here, and yeah. we also have books that are only $2 by that. But and to Javier's original point, whether you buy something for 60 or 48 uh, it doesn't impact the per the company that made the game or published the game because yeah, they don't sold so. their copy. Mm, to yeah, no, in that particular deal, I don't think it does. And there's also the other things to consider of the transportation cost gets factored into that $60. And mm -hmm. just like every facet of how a game gets from the people who make it manufacturing to you, like it, there are yeah. so many people involved. One thing it. definitively probably helps the developer more than other things, and that's buying things digitally because yeah. you're yeah. eating the shipping that's true. and costs. Yeah. Directly yeah. to them, you know, Steam takes 30%. Like, like as we, we see a lot of comments about how Ubisoft's Uplay sucks and Origin sucks, although Origin's not really that bad anymore. But, like, these companies know that their digital platforms suck, and they kind of don't care. I shouldn't say don't care, but they... Every sixty dollar copy that's sold on those platforms, they get to keep all of it, you know, instead of the forty dollars that they get that's, for each copy yeah. sold on Steam. Yeah. So if you do want to support them, that is a good way. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of us mm -hmm. still like physical copies, and yeah. I don't want yeah. to discourage people from getting physical copies. Sure, yeah. but like that, it's yeah. a way to help developers. You're right. If you are, if your concern is rewarding developers that make uh, the games you love, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, and I mean, all those platforms obviously have sales all the time too because yeah. they want you to come in and buy more, buy into I think, that ecosystem. But they don't drop it down from sixty on those. Uh, mm -hmm. ecosystems because me, uh, buying a game from a third party like a Walmart or an Amazon is still a big enough sales driver for them that they don't want to sure. piss them off. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and then like Double Fine has like studios right here. You can just drop money through their yeah. slot. Yeah. yeah Tim Schafer personally hands them out to you on the street. He's a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. This is Kyle from Indianapolis, and he says, "I have a conundrum." Uh oh. You ready here? Another case for the Omega Cops. A Kyle mm -hmm. conundrum. Uh, he says, I have recently started my thesis in chemistry. Cool. My time for gaming has awesome. been dramatically reduced. Yeah. I only have 30 to 45 minute blocks to play, and I have a hard time getting into games. Mm -hmm. It's made playing large games like Breath of the Wild difficult because of my time. I'm immersed. I have to put it down to go do lab work or class. The level system in Mario Plus Rabbids seems to fit really well with my schedule. Are there any games you recommend I pick up that work well being played in smaller play sessions? 
So it sounds like he's got a switch. Switch, yeah. They're uh, already on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mario Rabbids is great. Mario Rabbids. You can do just great. a level or two. Yep. I hear Stardew's new update. That's it, why I wanted like, to ask Justin okay. if he thought Stardew Valley is a good game to play in short shorter sessions. Yes, absolutely, yes. I, I'm not playing the Switch version yet. I'm trying to finish Golf Story and some other stuff, but I'll play through it a second time on Switch. I went mm -hmm. and played through it on PC at launch. Um, yeah, it's a really, just the game's designed really well for that, and I think it's got to be a very lovely handheld experience to play. And Miranda says now you don't have to finish a day. Like, you didn't have a way to do that before. You can just pause it and suspend it. Well, I mean, that's just built into the Switch. Like, you can just yeah. pop the Switch yeah. off at any time. You so just couldn't do that on your window on PC. That's yeah. true. You would lose the day. Like, you yeah. couldn't stop in the middle of an in-game day because the game saved at the end of each yeah. day. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's true. So now the Switch even eliminates that small amount it of Sounds friction. perfect for Switch. But even the in-game day system, you know, they're short. Like, you know, you're going to accomplish something meaningful, gotcha. yeah. and, and then it just feels really, really good. So, yes, Stardew Valley I would absolutely recommend. If you like uh, puzzle games, Picross S. I was going to oh. say Picross S. It's 10 bucks. Are we going to do what games you're playing this week? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Spoilers, oh, man. Picross. Picross. <laughs> yep. I love I've been Pick playing Picross S, too. It bums me out that really there's good. no touch controls whatsoever on it. Uh, yeah, so that does took, it work. You just, you just have well, to just, manually yeah. buy button. Yeah, yeah. so I seems well, like a strange choice. It originally the first Picross game was on Game Boy. Yeah, so it predated the DS. But then you know I did play it on DS. It's there were a couple of iterations there. DS, yeah, uh, and it was a little the slightest disappointment to not be able to use touch controls in this version. But I quickly got over that just because yeah. that game is so fun. It's, Isn't it cool yeah. that it has co-op? Have you messed with? I haven't. I haven't played. How does that work? So that's what like it. You would think that they would like overthink it or over-engineer it, but it works exactly. Exactly how like you're playing on the screen. Each person has a controller, and they all move a cursor around, <laughs> filling in right. whatever they want to fill in. And it's like it totally like you can sit there and co-op a yeah, puzzle. That's, that's so cool. That's great. Yeah, I was gonna recommend Picross S. That one's really good. Cool. I was also gonna recommend SteamWorld Dig Two. Yeah. Oh yeah. SteamWorld's totally easy. The, great. the kind of loot loop that you get yeah. in, in it yeah. is like it can be as short as you want it to be. Yeah. The I whole nature of it is yeah. you dig down as far as you can until you either get killed or you you run out of light mm -hmm. or you run out of space to carry or you know yeah. uh, gems back to the surface. So then you and back, then you go to the surface, up, sell everything, maybe upgrade yourself, and then go back down again. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. It doesn't have to be long. The game is great. I'm playing Golf Story in short bursts. Yeah. The game's not like expressly designed around it in the way that Stardew is, but I mean, like, like every Switch game, not every, but most Switch games, you know, it feels appropriate and is a good fit for short play sessions. Yeah. And Snipper Clips. Just play Snipper, snipper Clips. Deluxe. Yes. Can't wait. I'm trying to think of non Switch suggestions. I don't, I don't really play. I basically yeah. only play games on PC and Switch right now. Yeah. I, I think mean, if 3DS a lot, has lots of them. All the Fire Emblem games feel that way to mm. me. If you're playing at home, any Housemark game on PS4? Uh, oh, something yeah, like true. Next Machina, like you can play that for 20 minutes and kind of zone out and it's fun. Yeah, for sure. Even like a big open world game like uh, like Shadow of Mordor or Shadow of War that has a lot to do, like just going after one orc captain doesn't have to, that doesn't take very long. Yeah, everything yeah. takes five to 10 minutes. If you try to, like if you're not trying to like measure your time spent by like I advance the story yeah, this exactly. much, like you can like, pop in, have some fun, run around, yeah. pop back out. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to do in that game. Uh, this is Matt from Pittsburgh, and he says, Big time listener here, guys. Love the show. Anyways, I remember listening to one of the episodes a few months back about Blaster Master Zero, mm. but forgot about picking it up until recently. Problem is that I picked it up the same day I got Metroid Samus Returns, okay. and I can't pick what to play. They're both too good. <laughs> now, I know that Blaster Master Zero is pretty good, surprisingly good, uh, but I, surely Metroid is mm. the one to play first. 
I would think. Of those two, Metroid, yeah. yeah. Also, SteamWorld Dig over Blaster Master in terms of like Switch sort of downloadable games to play. It's too late. He's already. He's already got. Well, buy that too. Blaster Master Zero is cool. It's you know, it's like a. It's not a remake of the original game. It's sort sort of like another Blaster Master in the same style, and they have supported it long after launch with additional content for free downloads, and that's pretty cool. There's like new playable characters from other games, other like uh, recent indie games. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I didn't play Blaster Master. I I definitely get the impression that was a launch game. Or maybe like uh, one week Windows. after Switch yeah, yeah. came out, um, and I absolutely think it benefited from like if that yeah. game was coming out now, or like even a few months later when there was more than nothing to play on Switch except Zelda. You know, um, yeah. it, it it you know they good for them for timing it that way and managing to be there right at you know day one or near day one. Yeah, but you know, Sam, you you reviewed uh, Metroid: Samus yeah. Returns, and that game was really good. Yeah, very a it. very substantial real Metroid experience, right? Yeah, I mean, and if you're a Metroid fan, like, why would you ever wait on playing a Metroid game? Yeah. Blaster Master Zero is cool. I think it's just, it's not oh, yeah. quite on the same level as Metroid, I don't think. And this is CJ. Was it like the Our video editor? Yeah, I'm sure. Craig James. He says, I'm just listening to the latest GameScoop episode. You were talking about how in the U.S. the NES Mini is more sought after and recognizable than the SNES Mini, which I find fascinating. As an English gamer who's been gaming since the 80s, I love hearing the GameScoop GameScoop crew talk about their gaming histories as it really shows the difference between retro gaming in the U.S. and the U.K. In the U.K., for example, the NES was not a very big hit at all. True. If I remember rightly, only two NES games ever made it into the top ten sales charts. Mm. This was because we didn't have the video game crash affect us over here, so Nintendo didn't need to swoop in and save the day. We were all more than happy playing games on our ZX Spectrums and Amstrad That's right. yeah. CPC. They That's had this weird like PCs alternate history. They have like, all these cut two Zeppelins flying around in the sky yeah. instead of airplanes, and they're playing on Amstrad instead yes. of NES. Yeah, their computer gaming was big in the eighties. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So he says, over here, the SNES was way more popular and recognizable than the NES. As so many kids today are raised on U.S. culture, a lot of them seem to incorrectly think that the NES was a big deal here, too. Mm. Which is a shame, as it means that so many young people have a skewed perception of what U.K. retro gaming was like. Would you ever consider shining more light on the U.K. retro gaming scene? Maybe more features about Amiga 500 games or something like that. Thanks for helping to make my workday go a little fast with your great podcast. Well, CJ, I feel like I would need some light shed yeah. on the UK uh, retro gaming scene for me. Talk to Gab Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> we have a UK team. They should do some retro stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I used to get a magazine uh, called Retro uh, Gamer, I think yeah. it was called, and it, it, it was out of the UK, mm-hmm. and mm. everything in it was like PC-based, mm. and it was really interesting. Yeah. Sometimes it even come with games, which was cool. Like mm-hmm. a disc had like... Star Control 2 on it, I remember once. But it was it was really good, and that like kind of introduced me to that scene. I was able to kind of play those games and stuff that way. One thing that's hard about some of those games is that they emulate well when you're playing on a PC, but they're not super easy to like plug and play and throw on an Xbox and stuff like that now. Yeah. Because they're PC yeah, games, and sometimes they use keyboards and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's harder to access them. Uh, that's why collections. the upcoming uh, Commodore 64 Mini, mm-hmm. that's why that's really cool. It's yeah. like it'll be, ostensibly, it should be an easy way to get into and uh, check out those games. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. We would never consider any features like that, CJ. In fact, <laughs> we're going to cut out this question. It's not even going to make it to air. Man. Um, no, I mean, it's cool. Like, I guess to be completely frank, like, I'm not that crazy up to speed. Like, I don't know that I have a good, like, picture in my head, you know, beyond, like, you know, beyond. the ZX Spectrum and stuff, like, what the gaming was like in the, oh, I see what you did. Um, <laughs> 
what it was like, you know, in the in the yeah. 80s. So, um, you know, I mainly actually my exposure to it is through like old rare games, you know, even though they were mm. doing NES games. So maybe that's weird. But like, yeah, there are games like that on like the Jetpack uh, and on like, the rare replay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Several yeah. Mega Drive or Genesis was absolutely like a window or that was one of the first console hits there, too. Like that was there's plenty of yeah. nostalgia for that there. And that's why I think the Super Nintendo, you know, obviously by then. It was a hit because it was competing with Genesis. Yeah, it's true. Our, you know, Per Schneider, uh, who hosts our Nintendo Voice Chat podcast. Famous German. He, the, the biggest Nintendo fan you'll ever meet. But even he's not very familiar with the NES library because yep. the NES was not big in mm. Germany. That's right. Yeah. For him, it was all about the Super Nintendo. And, you know, we didn't have a huge attachment to the Master System here, but there's no. other places that did. And Brazil. Japan, for sure. Brazil, they really like Brazil. Brazil, yep. Uh, yeah, so I'm tr- I, I, I'm definitely interested in uh, UK retro gaming scene, and every time I'm in Europe, I pick up an issue of Retro Gamer and uh, try to inform myself on yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, now it is Halloween season, mm. the season of the witch. Ooh, uh, t- a good time to watch horror movies. Yeah, I try to watch as many as I can this season. Not me. Uh, <laughs> I love John Carpenter. The Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. Of course, he's made many other hits like uh, uh, Halloween. Escape from New York and all that stuff. He's not doing the new Halloween, is he? No, I don't no. think so. Uh, but there's a new interview with John Carpenter by The Guardian. Because John Carpenter is going, he's also a musician, and he's going on tour, uh, a world, big world tour with his band. So they're interviewing him. Uh, I'm a big John Carpenter fan, so I had to read this interview. And I want to share with you how this interview starts. The opening? This is the opening right. of The Guardian's interview with John Carpenter, one of the greatest horror auteurs of all time. Of course. It begins, The Guardian says, Hi, John. What have you been up to? <laughs> John Carpenter says, I've been playing the video game Destiny 2. Yep. It, it's a sci-fi game. It's fun. <laughs> the Guardian says, I've heard of that. Isn't it really hard and involves shooting aliens? And John Carpenter says, oh, it is hard. That's why I've dedicated my life to learning how to play it. At uh, my yeah, age, why not? To. It keeps me out of trouble. Yeah. Goodness He's gracious. He's been in the games for a while, right? I, Just I, out I, of I the blue. <laughs> I love that, you know, you have these uh, meticulously orchestrated PR, you know, they pay influencers yeah. and celebrities to come play their games and be photographed with it. And, you know, weeks of planning and build up and then not just get just just the opening line of an interview with a major get, international publication. You get John Carpenter uh, saying he's dedicated his life, life to playing your game. <laughs> Probably made some Bungie developers very happy, I'm sure. That's great. (laughs) I also love how unfiltered and like unmedia trained or just not give a F, you know, John Carpenter is to not be like, well, I'm getting ready to go on tour with my (laughs) band. (laughs) No, I've been playing a lot of this video game. It's a sci fi game. I hope they have a uh, Xbox One on the bus. Yeah. PS4, whatever. We'll see. Whatever he's playing on. I thought that was very cool. I'm a big fan of John Carpenter. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Oh boy. Our suggestion this week comes from Jeff Benson in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Mechanicsburg. Mm. Just he says, mechanics. He says, I love GameScoop, and I can say it is directly responsible for me getting into podcasts. It is still my favorite podcast of all, and it makes mowing my lawn, shoveling my driveway, and other terrible outdoor chores less terrible. Thanks for letting me hang out with a group of game junkies for an hour or so every week. Jeff, you are more than welcome. Let the questioning begin. Mm. Uh, do you play as a human? I think so. <laughs> I think so. One well, in the bubble bobble, you'd get turned into a human. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, Bub and Bob, they become boys. What? Yeah. They're not dinosaurs? I don't think so. I think they're dragons. 
Let us make a journey to the cave of monsters. Well, okay, you're right, but I mean, they. Turn I, I, I was just joking when I. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah, no, they they do become boys, and they're. Wait, you just said it was up. a joke. No, the dragons <laughs> thing was a joke. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you're taking me on a real roller coaster here, Sam. <laughs> the lore of bubble. We've had this exact conversation before. Is that true? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Board meeting. <laughs> uh, is this from before 1990? The game was not released before 1990. Okay. Uh, was this game released? Before 2000? No. Okay. Well, okay. Ooh. <laughs> is this a, is this a multi- game released on multiple platforms? No. Ooh. Okay. Nice. Is this on Nintendo platforms? Or a Nintendo platform? Yes. Okay. Uh, five? So after 2000. Um, yeah. So, so GameCube or later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could be so uh, many consoles. Do, do we want to narrow it down to console then? Yeah. A handheld yeah, or yeah. home? Um, or year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to do it. Is this a GameCube exclusive? Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> is it finally going to be Zach and Wiki? Yeah. No, that's a Wii exclusive. That's a Wii game. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, You're right. Duh. Good game. Um, okay. So, yeah. wait. GameCube ex- Is this game made by Nintendo? Defined made by. Is this game published by Nintendo? Yes. That question would make me think, though, developed. Maybe they published it and it was developed by. Did, did, did Capcom self published like PNO3 and those games? The Capcom right? 5? Or I did Nintendo so. publish them? I don't know. There's, there, I mean, we can go a lot of ways to this. PNO3. That's a good one to keep in mind, though. Is this like a space style sci fi? Like, is this a futuristic game? No. So that was the reason I asked that, by the way, is because he was a little ambiguous about whether he plays a human. So I'm like, maybe you're a robot of some mm-hmm. kind. Okay. Chibi Robo, for instance. Something, yeah. I don't know. Does this game have sequels? No. Okay. So, GameCube game without sequels, published by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, boy. But him asking for clarification about Made By makes me think there may be a wrinkle in there. Uh, is this game a platformer? No. Okay. That's 10. Uh, I don't know about those Capcom games, but they sound like it's not. I mean, it's not any of those unless it's. We just say, show. was this made by Capcom? Well, no, that would narrow it down. The only, the only, like it was Resident Evil, Beautiful Joe, and Piano Three. I mean, no, it's not Piano Three. Well, that's a there's future. Killer Seven. Yeah, there was and the Capcom Killer 5, Seven, but Killer Seven you play as a person. Yeah, but one of them didn't come out. Yeah, True. And Killer yeah, Seven was yeah. the other one. Um, right, right. I forgot about that. Um, um, not a platformer. We just found out. That's good. Yeah. Is it a? Is it like a, a fantasy or medieval themed game? Uh, I don't think you would call it that. I'm still. Well, mm. well <laughs> you wouldn't call it that. I don't think so. Going on. <laughs> what about the, uh, the 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 various RPGs and stuff on? Yeah. Did they publish? Crystal they might have published. They might have published oh. that in Kaitos. Oh, yeah. That's not a bad guy. Is this an RPG? No. All right. So it's not an RPG, not a platformer. Uh, what other GameCube genres were popular? I mean, the GameCube was my uh, jam back then. That was my lead console back yeah, then. Yeah, I'm just trying too. to think of my library, you know? Like, what what games? Was this game Was this game developed in Japan? Yes. Okay. So... Yeah, maybe we should do developer then, because if it could still be like Killer. Well, 7. but it could yeah. be like it doesn't sound like it's Nintendo EAD, but it could be one of their like. And we said Nintendo close. didn't develop it. I know I, that's why it could be one of they have or so many close developers. Oh, like second party. Yeah, and he didn't. He I guess he didn't. Well, like yeah. uh, like uh, not EAD because that's internal, but like when 
Like when Sega made F Zero mm-hmm. or Star Fox. Mm-hmm. Is this a multiplayer? No. It's not like WarioWare or any of those. No. I got six questions. Should be okay. We were doing so well, and now it's all <laughs> falling apart. Um. So single player. Single player, not a platformer. No sequels. No sequels. Not an RPG. Um. Who's producing the show today? Mitchell? Yeah. Mitchell, you got, you got any questions we should ask? <laughs> yes. That didn't count. That was his question. <laughs> no, that counts. That's 15. <laughs> the developer, developer still in business. Japanese developer. Is Billy Hatcher a platformer? Oh, oh boy. I know, but That's maybe good. Nintendo published it? Possibly. Maybe Nintendo but Sega, published Sega it. was a publisher then. Yeah. I think, it just un- depends I think it's unlikely Nintendo published it. I was thinking that. Um, I would also call that a platformer. Yeah, that's my thing too. Yeah. Um, well, so we we it's did. It's also very unclear whether that weird boy is a human or not. So exactly. there is that. Yeah. Nintendo did publish this. You said. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, did they do any fighting or racing games at that time? Ooh. There's no multiplayer in this. Yeah, that kind of narrows it down. It would have been. There was the F Zero. Not fantasy themed. Not sci fi themed. What about Pac Man? Oh, that was multiplayer. I was going to say the Pac-Man game. Was, was, really good. was there a game that came with like a weird, like a microphone peripheral? There was Odama. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Odama's good. Odama's. <laughs> All the Mario parties came with that. Hey, you Pikachu. That wasn't developed. That was. It could uh, be anything. Hey, you Pikachu's Any of the Pikachu game or any of the Pokemon games. Yeah. Published by Nintendo. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, you could do like Pokemon XD. Gale yeah, of exactly. Darkness. It could be. Yeah. Seriously. Um, I mean, no, yeah. That, that's very... not a bad. Um, or Blue Ocean. Was that on it? What's Blue Ocean? I thought that was Wii. Endless Ocean? Maybe. Endless yeah. Ocean? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, Endless Ocean. Yeah, Blue Ocean was their... Their strategy. Yeah, their, their strategy. strategy. Yeah, and then it became a game, basically. Um, I mean, if we want to try to narrow it down to those specifics, we can just ask if there's Pokemon in it, and that would help, but that wastes a question. Well, what, uh, what about um, do you collect... Uh, I mean... Beasts. Would help with anything? Yeah. Um, Are you a human in that game? Yeah, you're a Pokemon trainer in Pokemon XD. So that might eliminate um, that. Well, that's the tricky thing, right? If it's well, not developed by Nintendo, that's definitely published by Nintendo. Yeah. Well, wait. So you do play as a human or you don't? He said he thinks you do. I think oh, you do. I think you do, yeah. So, I mean, you're playing as a Pokemon trainer, essentially, but it, it's not the same as, like, a Pokemon RPG. It's, like, vaguely different because mm-hmm. you don't, like, capture them. You're, like, freeing Pokemon. Yeah. Um, that's an option. I think Odama is honestly an option. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm but, trying well, to think that, of those I mean, weird. you play as, like, a commander, and you're, like, it's a pinball game. There's no yeah. sequel. Yeah. I would, the thing that trips me off about Odama, oh, there is, is we said it's not, like, fantasy or medieval-themed, and that game's absolutely and I don't know if Nintendo published that. I think they probably did, but I don't recall. I think there were two I Pokemon XD games. I don't even know so who made Odama. That would cancel that out if there's no sequel, though. Are there? Um, I believe there were two. Okay. Um, okay. Does this game use a, a weird gimmicky peripheral? Yes. Oh! Still have Hey You Pikachu in there. Yeah. No, that was N64. Oh, yeah, that's true. How many? We have four questions left. You play pinball in it? Yes. Is it Odama? Yes. Woo! Forgive me. I guess I wouldn't think of that game as like a fantasy game because I thought it was like a war simulation, like a strategy war game. It's like fantasy shogunate. Yeah, but is it like actual historical or fantasy? Like there are monsters. Well, I mean, it's from the historical a pinball, pinball period, with a face. Like I, I see where you're feudal Japan. Japan. And I, yeah, yeah. But I think fantasy. I think like Skyrim. Yeah, like that's yeah. 
I don't. Recall. What about Okami? Is I mean, I actually played. Yeah, I think. So. Am I the only one? Did any? No, I played Odama. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not. I've, I've never I did. I owned it and played Odama. it, and I still yeah. have it. And it has a microphone yeah, clip. Uh, yep, you clip yes. it on your. Yeah. And then, and then it like works. <laughs> it works like ninety percent of the time, which is amazing that it works that often. But it works infrequently enough that like it's just a chore and a pain to play. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, that was two thousand six mm. for GameCube. Like right at the end of yeah, yeah. very end. A- April two thousand six, six months before the Wii would be released. Nintendo published it. Yeah, Nintendo yeah. published it. It was who's, who's Vivarium, the which is the uh, the studio that made Seaman Seaman for for, uh, <laughs> for Dreamcast. Are they wow, around? and they're still around. Yeah, but they've been like they like merged with another developer and have a different name. Uh, so that's no. another tricky question. Yeah. Yeah. Good work, Jonathan. Yeah. Did they? Am I imagining? Did I make up that they're kickstarting a new Seaman, or weren't they teasing on Twitter? There was some story about something. Yeah. It might look, have just been. Would you be interested if another Seaman happened? I'm gonna look it up after this. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be interested? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. IGN gave Odama 6.5, yeah. but then at, about right. at the Game of the Year awards that year, they gave it like it, the Innovative Game Award. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Six five. I'd probably be a flat six. It was, it was okay. April man, I'm just thinking. April 2006 is the Were month I was working? hired. Yeah, here. I was gonna wow. say. Do you remember oh, nice. it coming into the office? I was. Do you remember the was, big day? Odell? I spent a couple months uh, working from home in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, I did the same thing. But yeah, I, was I, IGN I, Nintendo maybe out of LA then too? Probably. Yes. Partially. Yeah. No, they were there. In Craig LA. was up here because Casamassina and Bozan were both down there, and yeah. Craig was up here. Yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm I, good. I'm glad you guys got there because I would have felt terrible if the uh, fantasy question had. Turns out we all have personal experience with Otama. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Uh, and that is all the scoops we have here this week. This Friday is Friday the 13th. Ooh, nice. Everybody enjoy the, the uh, holiday, but stay safe. Ooh, Weird yeah. things happen. We didn't play. Nice. What games are gaming? Well, you said Picross. Well, I did say Picross. Also, uh, and we're playing Shadow Mordor. And Shadow we, we saw Blade Runner. That's, yeah, I'm seeing Blade Runner tonight. Okay, I did you that when you yeah. saw Blade Runner? Did Jared Leto show up at your screening? Yes, that's what? awesome. Really? Yeah, we walked into the theater and sat down. I was in Alamo. We weren't in the big theater. It was mm-hmm. at a weird time. And this all of a sudden we hear like, uh, "Hello, is this thing on?" We're like, "Who's talking?" And Jared Leto walks up and he walks to the front. And he's like, "Hi, I'm uh, I'm Jared Leto. I'm in this movie. Um, I play this character, and uh, he's not he's not who you think he is. He's not as bad as he may come off. He has his good reasons for for being who he is." And then he's like, "He's like, I just want to see. Like, I'm such a big Blade Runner fan. I want to see who be here on opening night." And it was really cool. And then That's he awesome. took a picture of everybody. Wow, that's really, really cool. nice. Do you think he lives like maybe he lives in San Francisco? My or? wife screamed. Apparently, she was like screaming. <laughs> Apparently, he really likes San Francisco and oh. hangs out here all the time. Oh, and there's okay. a certain coffee shop in the Mission that he always goes to, and uh, he's spotted there frequently. It's, yeah, yeah, Starbucks. It's weird. He has yeah. these like robot eyeballs now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I also, also want to give a shout out to for the SNES Classic. You bet. I've been spending um, some time yeah. with the SNES Classic. Joker also. Yeah, yeah and I want to give a shout out to GameScoop superfan Doug for uh, hooking me up. He had an extra that I was able to nice. you know, buy off him just because they got really hard to find. And yeah. so thank you, Doug. Um, cool. And uh, playing through, like, you know, like, I know Super Mario World and I know Link to the Past. Like, these games are part of my DNA. But I actually <laughs> got to thinking about it. Like, I haven't played Super Mario World in 10 years since yeah. it came out <laughs> of the GBA. Like, I know all the worlds and feel like I know that game so well, but you know, I uh, love yeah. returning to that one. It's been a whole decade, um, and actually, same with Link to the Past. So I'm really, really excited. Did you play Starbucks yeah. too? Dig back. Uh, not yet. Try it out. 
I got stuck on uh, the minecart level in Donkey Kong Country. Oh my Ooh. gosh! I played through the fr- like the level. It's got a checkpoint, right? And so uh, I'm like, this like, what are people complaining about? This is not that hard. And then, like after the checkpoint, that level's impossible. Like the first half is not that bad. What about the collectibles? The Kong letters? We have to like get them in one run. Oh yeah. man, Come this on. is a big sidetrack. But they they played Donkey Kong Country Returns at the Nintendo World Championships, and it was a minecart level. Oh, really? And that was probably the most nail biting part of that whole oh. championship. It was amazing because people. People just, not know it was coming, too? No, yeah, every game was a surprise. Was a surprise. Yeah. And this was like one of the elimination games to whether you could get back in. Hilarious. It amazing, yeah. Pretty good. I'm glad you've got an SNS Classic. Yeah, I love it. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jonathan. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.